What's up, everybody? This is episode 42 of the ClapperCast. It is February 24th, 2020, and I'm Burke. And I'm Sean. And we had quite the eventful trade deadline today, Sean. I think uh, I think this was like the most trades they've ever recorded on trade deadline day since like 1980. They had 31 or 32, I believe. So TSN was not short of activity. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny because everybody thought that all the trades were happening earlier than the deadline and we wouldn't have anything left. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what's been happening the last few years. So so the GMs is kind of like, you know, had some fun with us and uh, now we have an exciting day to cover. Yeah, and we're actually going to take it back to right after the Foley trade because that's the last one we talked about. So there was, yep. as I mentioned, a few trades before the deadline actually happened. So uh, let's, let's dive into that, shall we? Uh, I think the, the major one, the first major one after that is Dylan DeMello got traded to the Jets from the Ottawa Senators for a 2020 third round pick. So I think we kind of called that Winnipeg would be looking for some defensemen. Definitely. So they picked up DeMello. Uh, I think it's a solid add. He is. Yeah, DeMello, DeMello did pretty well in Ottawa. I mean, he's a reliable middle pairing guy. He's not really offensive or anything, but I don't think Winnipeg's starving for that. So I think he'll be a really good fit as just like a reliable, dependable presence defensively for, for their struggling decor. Yeah, just a an NHLer that they can depend on to, to play some minutes. Um, yeah, nothing really else to say about that one. I think it's a good ad by them. Uh, they didn't give up too much. I think people thought that's they actually might that is a reasonable a price. Second. Like, yeah, that's actually a really good price for Winnipeg. Yeah, and um, I mean Ottawa. Like, obviously, they're just like completely stockpiling draft picks right now. So <laughs> whatever, <laughs> yeah. whatever they can get is probably totally fine. Mm-hmm. And then uh, continuing on the D train here. The Capitals acquired Brendan Dillon from San Jose Sharks for a 2020 second round pick and a 2021 conditional third round pick. And the condition on that third round pick is that if the Capitals win the 2020 Stanley Cup, the 2021 third rounder will become 2020 third round pick that Washington previously acquired from Arizona, if that made any sense at all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I like it. I like, I've always liked Brendan Dillon for some reason, and I think it's, you know, a solid move the capitals always get a defenseman at the trade deadline it seems or in the days leading up to it at least um you know they got jensen they got kempney they've got like tim gleason they've they always get a defenseman so you know we kind of knew this was coming and uh in his one of his first games as a capital he beat the shit out of Yenny malkin so you know he's really hearing himself to caps fans yeah it's <laughs> it's pretty funny so I think it's a good good addition. You know, a second seems fair, and then, you know, a third, whatever. Yeah, like, he's he's an excellent shutdown defenseman, and they're going to really like his presence on the penalty kill, too, mm-hmm. moving forward. That um, he'll give them another option on the back end, just because they're not necessarily weak in that regard, but they could definitely use a little bit of help. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely been some over-asks of some of the demon that are there now. I think, like, Jensen and, uh, you know... Um, Fair, very, and Siegenthaler are, are are good, but I think they've been asked to play a little bit too many minutes in the games. So having mm-hmm. Dylan will, will be a nice stabilizing factor there. Uh, maybe let's move on, I guess, uh, to the next trade, uh, which is the St. Louis Blues acquired Marco Scandella for a second round pick in 2020 and a 2021 conditional fourth round pick from the Montreal Canadiens. So the Canadians were able to flip Scandella pretty effectively, I would say. Wouldn't you agree? 
Uh, absolutely. So what would they get him for a fourth and they turned him into a second and a likely fourth as well? Because the condition on that other trade is that Montreal will receive the 2021 fourth round pick if St. Louis resigns Scandella before October 7th, 2020, or if St. Louis wins two playoff rounds and he plays in at least half the games. Hmm. So that seems like a fairly reasonable or easy condition to meet. I think giving up that price and if Scandella does well in St. Louis through the rest of the season here, that they'd probably want to bring him back as a depth guy. Yeah. I'm just trying to so, figure out what that trade was that brought him there. I think they gave up Mike Riley. Is that it? There's definitely a fourth round pick involved. No. Yeah. It was a fourth, just a fourth. Yeah. So, I mean, good asset management, get more than what you paid back. <laughs> also, I mean, it's just one more, one more shot at Buffalo, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, I, don't know, I think it's a solid ad by the Blues. You know, they've had obviously Jay Bowmeister out, so adding a defenseman makes sense. And the next trade is kind of a bit of a weird one, but the Toronto Maple Leafs acquired Dennis Mulligan from the Florida Panthers in exchange for another forward, Mason Marchment. Seems a bit weird to you be have trading. To really look at this one. The... <laughs> yeah, trading with the person that you're, the team that you're in a playoff race against, and there's yeah. a little bit of weird drama with this trade where Mulligan said he never requested a trade but his agent did ooh spicy yeah so i guess you know moving him somewhere i don't i don't, I don't really think this one makes sense because the maple leafs have like it seems like they signed like a million guys at the same level as Mulligan this off season like pontus aberg guys like that yeah. i mean What's what's that saying? If you throw enough shit at the wall, something's going to stick eventually? Yeah, I guess so. It's kind of just like finding, like, put enough players in random bottom six forward positions, and eventually some of them will find some chemistry and stick around for longer than 10 games. Pick up another small, skilled forward. In in Mulligan's defense, though, I do have, I have heard that he is, like, he was a decent, a decent forward type for, for little stretches with Florida. That he has the potential to be a reliable player. There's just some work that's got to be done to give him a more consistency in the lineup. The only thing that I know Mulgan from is that picture of him getting absolutely destroyed by Nicholas Cronwall. It's like a very cool a good, a good photo. Legacy. <laughs> yeah, that's the <laughs> only thing I know him from. So, yeah, I think just a weird... I'll, I'll be honest, I think part, I think a good part part of the reason that he's memorable in my mind is that I keep thinking it's Mulgan I get confused. Yeah, definitely some hearts skipped a beat when they saw that the Maple Leafs acquired Mulgan. Yeah. Is that a typo? Like, did they get a Malkin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't believe Chicago let him go like that. Yeah, really. Bold, bold of Ford <laughs> to be trading like Chicago's players, too. I know, the nerve. Absolute nerve. <laughs> uh, Vegas got in the game here with one of their first moves. They uh, they acquired Alec Martinez from the Los Angeles Kings for, for a second-round pick in 2020 and a second-round pick in 2021. So what do you think about this one? Vegas is always active in free agency and trade deadlines, so it's not surprising they're one of the big players this year again. And they're also seeming to be really quick to identify their needs. So this year that they were weak on defense and they're weak in goaltending. They address both of those. We'll start with the defense that Alec Martinez is going to provide reliable and two-way defensive play. Um, He's had a really hot start offensively for them. He's got like four points in the first three games there. And he's going to just do a really good job at helping push some of the guys down Vegas's defensive lineup who are playing a bit too many minutes and just give them a reliable presence there. 
And I mean, LA's in full rebuild mode. They get a couple of second round picks. That's probably really good for them to stock up on prospects, I think. I don't really have anything to add for that. Um, I guess let's just move on. I think the next kind of big trade was the Boston Bruins acquired Andre Keisha from Anaheim Ducks for David Backus, defensive prospect Axel Anderson, and a 2020 first round pick. That's a pretty big one. Uh, that Bruins. was. We're trying to get rid of Bacchus for a while, and everybody kind of thought that the price would be pretty high to get rid of him. You know, you'd have to be packaged with something pretty valuable to take Definitely. on. And Especially with that cap, that cap hit he brings. Yeah, and to note here, the Bruins actually did retain 25% of that contract. Um, so I, I think he's on contract for a, a few more seasons, isn't he? He has one more year after this year. At least they dumped off a solid percentage of it, but yeah, I think they got yeah, a so good forward quite a bit for them. in return. Um, they gave up a lot for him, especially for someone who's injury prone and is actually, I think, still out of the lineup right now. Correct. But uh, I mean, he's a good player. Kasha is like one of those guys that's like every single year he seems to be like Anaheim's candidate for breakout star. Like, he has so much potential, and he shows himself to be such a good player, but he's always hurt, and he can just never stay in the lineup long enough to get anything going. So, for Boston, it looks great. I mean, they have a potential second line now of, like, Jake DeBrus, David Krejci, and Andre Kasha. And to go behind their already perfection line, like, how many more great lines does this team need? It's a matter <laughs> of whether Kasha can stay healthy. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, I think the the next one here is uh, the Winnipeg Jets acquired Cody Eakin from the Vegas Golden Knights in exchange for a 2021 conditional fourth round pick. And the condition on that pick is that it upgrades to a 2021 third round pick if Winnipeg makes the 2019-20 playoffs or re-sign Cody Eakin before July 5th, 2020. Yeah, so Cody Eakin, the Winnipeg guy, I believe. So kind of cool for him to go play for the Jets. Um, Definitely. I think this is a weird relationship between Vegas and Winnipeg, and it's always surprising to see them trade <laughs> with each other. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, I mean, that first, that first year. I mean, immediate rivalry, immediate like intense playoff series, and then they're just going to make a nice casual trade here to help each other out. And the whole Stasny thing. It's kind yes, of funny. that too. Yeah, they kept stealing all the players. <laughs> yeah, so I think um, yeah. with uh, Adam Lowry out for the year, they were looking for you know some. Some center depth, so bring Cody exactly. Eakin in makes sense. Um, I, I think mean, that there's probably a good chance that he does re-sign there. I feel like there is. I think uh, Aiken, like he's been a pretty good forward in Vegas for a couple of years now. He's like one of the really reliable penalty killers, two-way forwards, something that would go great in Winnipeg's bottom six. And he struggled a bit this season, but a nice little trade, new system, fresh start, could be really good for Aiken. Yeah. Um, I think he might be a little bit overpaid, which is why the Knights wanted to get rid of him. That is my Especially next point, with... that Vegas need the cap space for their other moves over the trade uh, trade week here. <laughs> yes, So absolutely. by freeing up the whatever, I mean, Aiken's making $3.85 million, so whatever whatever that frees up in cap space for them is uh, yeah. very valuable to them. Yes, for sure. Uh, let's move on. I guess the, the next one here is the, the Caps made another move. They acquired Ilya Kovalchuk in exchange for a 2020 third-round pick from the Montreal Canadiens, and the Montreal Canadiens are retaining salary on a yeah. $700,000 contract for Kovalchuk. So I think... The Caps are that against the cap. <laughs> <laughs> They're basically paying him like 
$20,000 or something crazy, like some stupid small amount because of how little is left in the season. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, that so resident caps fan, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I was kind of surprised. I mean, there was the rumors that the caps were in on Kovalchuk, but I never really thought that it would happen because, you know, the teams struggled a little bit recently, but we're kind of rolling overall on the season. But the more I thought about it, the more I kind of like it. I like having another offensive weapon that can slot into line two or line three. Um, you can play power play unit two, give them another scoring touch. Um, yeah, I mean, what, uh, I think they... how, what do you feel about my suggested power play formation for them where they've got uh, Ovi and Kovalchuk both on the end of the <laughs> point with a defenseman playing high slot to feed them for one-timers? <laughs> yeah, I mean, who needs defense, right? It's just pure shoot the puck just shoot just shoot <laughs> yeah it's a it's gonna be interesting to see how this works because um i can see him playing with like lars eller and on the third line but i just i just don't know it's weird it's like we already have a guy who has a giant shot and is known for not being very defensively responsible <laughs> so i don't know I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of optimistic about this one just because of the whole like Russian connection. Like from the sounds of it, Ovechkin and Kovalchuk are both pretty close or in you know somewhat friends off the ice. So you know it could be a good one where it's like Kovalchuk goes into a comfortable environment and can help out with whatever cup run the the Caps have this year. That's why I I kind of thought he was going to go there before um, when he was originally bought out by. LA is that there he was like on Instagram he was eating dinner and having wine with Ovechkin and his family around like Christmas time. Yes. So I thought he was gonna go there at that point. Um so it's not super surprising. It's just kind of funny that it happened this way. <laughs> um yeah. Well, but it, yeah, it I came mean, out of nowhere. I was definitely like yeah. surprised when that popped up on my phone. I'm like, wait, what? I think that's the pretty like consensus consensus reaction is just like uh Okay, cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I, yeah, you mentioned the Russian connection here. The Russians on the Capitals, we have Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Orlov, Samsonov. So it, I think you should feel very comfortable coming in. Um, the Capitals are quickly becoming Team Russia again. Um, so I think he'll he'll fit in. He'll get along well with everybody. Um, I'm just... I hope he keeps up how he was playing in Montreal and doesn't look more like he was in LA, but I think we have to be smart about how we use him and I think they'll be okay. What are, what are the chances that the Washington Olympic athletes from Russia win the cup this year? Do you think now? I think it's pretty high. I am more confident of this team than last year. <laughs> um, especially with the defense we have going in to playoffs. I mean, knock on wood here that uh, nothing crazy happens, but, I think we got a bit more depth in the blue line. Um, and Samsonov is a more capable backup than Phoenix Copley was. So, yeah, I think I think they're they're on a good roll here. And uh, shout out to the Habs for, for getting a free third out of this. Yeah, I mean, look, we, we talked about their asset management a couple minutes ago there with the Scandella trade. And, like, I mean, they just picked up Kovalchuk as a free agent a couple months ago, and they get a third-round pick out of it. So they're Not just kind of they're doing shabby. a really good job at that. Yeah, for sure, pretty awesome. Uh, let's move on. Another uh, former capital here, the Edmonton Oilers. 
acquired Mike Green from the Detroit Red Wings in exchange for Kyle Brodziak and a conditional fourth round pick. And the conditional fourth round pick upgrades to a 2021 third round pick if Edmonton advances to the conference final and if Mike Green plays in 50% of the game. This is another one that kind of came out of nowhere. I think it was after a game that the Oilers played and it just was announced. Yeah, it was it was late last night. This one broke. Um, I what was I think my response to you when I first heard about it was like just dot 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 why. <laughs> I had I had heard about the rumors of this one for a couple of days. Like Edmonton was kicking tires on Mike Green. I was kind of like, why would they do that? Um, he's basically just like a mediocre, aging, slow defender who's immediately like eighth in the Oilers' depth chart. <laughs> um, he might he might get some playing time right now because Clef Baum and Chris Russell are both injured. But as soon as both of them are back, like I would not put Mike Green over any of the defensemen in the Oilers lineup except for William Lajeson, and he's like the the fringe guy right now to begin with. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm not a big fan of Mike green, even back to his last capitals years. He's a huge defensive liability and he has a lot of mental lapses where he like floats the puck up the ice to nobody. And I don't think that's the type of guy that you want on your team going into playoffs. He's not defensively sound. And I don't think that's what the Oilers need. Uh, I guess he can fill in on the power play with the absence of Clefbaum. To be honest, Ethan Bear and Darnell Nurse can cover that about as well as Mike Green would. <laughs> I mean, who knows how good Mike Green is? He's been playing on a shitty yeah. Wings team. I guess we'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that one, that if he can come to a team in a slightly better situation, maybe he'll turn it around a little bit. If um, Just because Dave Tippett and his, his coaching staff have done a pretty decent job at teaching the rest of the team defense this year, for the most mm-hmm. part. Kyle Brodziak wasn't playing. No, he was LTIR'd. What's the uh, fourth round pick again? What's the condition on that? Uh, the condition. So the 2024th round pick upgrades to a 2021 third round pick if Edmonton advances to the conference final and if Green plays in 50% of the games, I'm assuming, in the playoffs. So I'm, I'm actually leaning towards that not being a very likely upgrade. I mean, it's a fourth or a third. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a... That about sums it up. Just a sigh. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, I've... For years, you've known my opinion on Mike Green, so I'm yeah. not sold on him. I don't know if I've tarnished his as what your opinion of him is these past few years, but he's not great. I've seen I've seen enough of enough stories about him to kind of know that uh, he was great offensively for a few years, but never good defensively, and then the offense kind of died off as well. And I don't know of his defensive game turning it around either. Yeah, he's not the 30-goal scorer anymore. Just <laughs> he hasn't been for a very play, long oh, you know time. Maybe maybe this is 40 chess. Maybe Mike Green's going to play on McDavid's wing. Maybe. Former 30-goal yeah. scorer. <laughs> maybe if he went to Florida, that would be the plan. But <laughs> Maybe. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a kind of a weird one. I don't know. seems bizarre. But Holland with the Detroit connection, I guess rescuing players from that situation (laughs) (laughs) uh colorado they picked up uh, vlad nemesnikov from the senators in exchange for a 2021 fourth round pick what do you think about this one i think it's an all right trade they didn't have to colorado didn't have to pay much to get him um i feel like nemesnikov is the type of player that's going to go to colorado and probably do a little bit better than he has in other teams recently 
he's kind of been one of those guys who like has a lot of potential, but he's never really put it together to be much more, or I say much more, but move past like a second, third line forward. Um, yeah. Colorado's like perennially looking for forward depth right now, especially now that Rantanen's out for the rest of the season. So I feel like Nemesnikov could get a decent shot here to get some bigger minutes and potentially be another kind of Burakovsky type where he goes and has a decent season. Yeah, I think it's like you know, like you nailed it. Forward depth, Kadri is out too, I think, still. Oh, correct, yes. Yeah, it's like another, not quite as dramatic, but of Valerie Nichushkin. You know, he's had a really good season for Colorado. Um, That's the other guy I was thinking of. Mesnikov's always been a good defensive forward. He's always been very good two-way. So I think, you know, the more guys you have like that going into playoffs, the better. That'll be a valuable one in the highest, highest, um, high-powered Western Conference as well as some some offensive dynamos making their way into the playoffs. Yeah. And this was the Senators kind of tiptoeing their way into the waters. This next trade, they acquired a 2020 conditional first-round pick, a 2020 second-round pick, and a 2022 conditional third-round pick from the New York Islanders in exchange for J.G. Peugeot. So the conditions on those draft picks. So on the 2020 conditional first-round pick, if the New York Islanders win the draft lottery and select top three, the pick becomes a 2021 first-round pick. So that one's just lottery-protected, basically. And the 2022 conditional third-round pick is transferred to the New York Islanders if the Islanders win the 2020 Stanley Cup. So after this trade, the Islanders signed Pajot. Uh, what was that contract? It was like a six-year? Um, appears to be six-year, five, uh, five per year. Six-by-five contract, which is pretty good, actually. That's kind of right in line for the type of forward he's been this season, anyways, mm-hmm. for a an excellent third-line center who's going to be able to move up very easily into the second line if needed i actually i really like this trade for both teams that i think Pajot is going to be an excellent fit with this this version of the islanders and under Trost's system he's kind of that energetic checking versatile forward with a scoring touch that seems to have thrived in new york recently and it's going to bode well in a playoff run too so it's going to help the islanders get more scoring throughout the lineup and have that trustworthy third line, have a good penalty killer, have a good guy in all situations. And yeah, it was a little bit expensive in terms of all of those draft picks, but um, I think the Islanders are in a in a major playoff push right now, and they kind of have to be with uh, the way their division is. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it is a good trade for both both teams involved. Basically a first and a second. I mean, unless they win the cup, and then they're more than willing to to give up another third-round pick. I, I, are you sure you give up a third round pick to win the Stanley Cup? Yes, I told you that earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Just making Late sure. Last week that uh, <laughs> when we picked up Brendan Dillon, that I would, I would be okay giving up a third for the cup. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm some people sure are more long term minded, but uh, I would be okay with it. You never know what a third round pick could be, Sean. It yeah, could be I mean... a Stanley Cup. <laughs> Like like uh like I said earlier too like the senators are just absolutely stockpiling picks here <laughs> like they might as well just like put their table on the on the draft uh, stage for <laughs> for the draft this year to be honest yeah save them some steps from walking up and down so many times I'm just gonna interject here with one really quick look at the senators draft picks this year but they have three first round picks four second round picks and two third round picks and then a fourth a fifth two sixth and no seventh. 
<laughs> so it's like the opposite of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Basically. Uh, let's move on here. Carolina Hurricanes, they were very active on the deadline. So they acquired Vinny Trocek Center from the Florida Panthers in exchange for Eric Halla, Lucas Walmark, Itu Luo Starinen, and Chase Prisky. So basically Trocek for Halla and Walmark and a couple prospects. That's quite a Halla for Trocek. <laughs> oh, stop. I've been waiting all day to make that joke. <laughs> but actually, it's it's an accurate statement, though. That's yes. pretty good for Trocek. It is. He's been underperforming this year. Big time. And I think, you know, change of scenery could do him well. And Carolina gets that number two center. They kind of need a little bit more offense. So it makes sense. Definitely. And I mean, Florida gets a whole bunch of random pieces that are great for their depth. Um, mm-hmm. Lucas Walmart specifically is a really, really reliable and well-liked third-line center. Um, they'd like to see a little more offense out of him. He's kind of like a 20, 25-point guy from the looks of it. But um, Carolina Hurricanes fans had nothing but good things to say about this guy. So mm-hmm. he'll probably do pretty well in Florida. And uh, Chase Prisky is also an intriguing prospect, in my opinion, because uh, he was lighting it up down uh, in the minors and in the AHL. And uh, with being, I believe he's also a right shot as well, which is like an offensive right shot defenseman is super valuable. Coveted, yeah. Yeah. So this guy's like 31 points in 52 games down in the AHL this year with Charlotte. Hmm. So that's pretty good for a defenseman. I think uh, Florida would find value in that if he can make the jump to the NHL over the next year or two. Yeah, and, you know, adding Halla and Walmart get some, some wingers so you can maybe stop having your defense play wing. Ooh, that's a good point. <laughs> so, At a certain point, you want players to play their actual position, such as defensemen on the point. <laughs> that's stupid. You got to think outside <laughs> the box. 4D chess here, bro. Oh, okay. So just bear with my stupidity here for a second, but I was talking about this uh, with a guy at work last week. What do you think would win? A team comprised of all all-star forwards, so forwards in every position, maybe except for goalie, or a team of all all-star defensemen playing every position but goalie. I want to say, I want to say the defensemen. Yeah, that's what we thought too. Because <laughs> like they're typically better, obviously defensively, but all-star defensemen are usually more offensive than all-star forwards are defensive. Yeah, for sure. So you'd, you'd be able to cover. Team, yeah, you'd have like Brent Burns. Eric Carlson, Keith John Yandel. Carlson, <laughs> John Carlson, Shea Weber. Yeah, I think they got a better shot at winning a like a full game than yeah, a bunch I of think, forwards. They're also more durable too. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry to interject that in there, but it's no, a funny no. thing to think of because we were thinking about what an alternative to the All Star game would be, and that was <laughs> our idea: is that you have all the, all the best D men against all the best forwards, and you see that who would wins. be funny. That would be really <laughs> funny. Yeah, I might actually tune in for that game. Yeah, exactly. Watch it. Like you'd be like, "What the hell is going to happen?" <laughs> NHL, are you listening to this? Come on. <laughs> It'd be wild. It'd be so funny. Uh, so the next one here is the Habs acquired a 2021 fifth-round pick from the Philadelphia Flyers for Nate Thompson. I think that's just some solid depth for Philly, huh? 
yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Not a whole lot to say about that one. I mean, Nate Thompson, I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure Nate Thompson is just becoming like the trade deadline acquisition for every team. He's kind of working his way around the league. I want to say I'm looking, I think it's like the third straight year he's been traded at the deadline. Yeah. I wonder if he's got like a, um, like a punch card. It's like, you know, get 12 <laughs> teams and you get a free sandwich or something. something like that. <laughs> free hot dog in the intermission. Yeah. Hey, it's not Phil Kessel here. Come on. <laughs> um, I guess let's, let's move on. Penguins acquired Patrick Marlowe from the Sharks in exchange for a 2021 third, uh, which becomes a second if the Penguins win the cup. I think, I feel like, I feel like a third is the right pick for Marlowe based off of what I feel the Penguins are looking for. I feel like it's, yeah, it's, it's an okay trade. I mean, as a non Penguins fan, I always like when they add old slow guys. So I'm okay with it. Yeah. I mean, they've been, They've been absolutely decimated by injuries this year, so any additional forward depth who can kind of come in and just, you know, fit into a system pretty well and know what's going on is going to be huge for for helping them stabilize the team before the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. The Maple Leafs got uh, Callie Rosen back from the Colorado Avalanche. He went there in the Kadri trade. Um, They got him for Michael Hutchinson, so... So they probably... I guess Dubas didn't put in a condition there, uh, no takesy backsies. <laughs> yeah. So he was able to get that one back. Psych. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this is a weird one. The Buffalo Sabres acquired Wayne Simmons from the New Jersey Dells for a conditional 2021 fifth round pick, which turns into a fourth rounder if the Sabres make the playoffs and Simmons plays 10 games. What a what a bold condition on there. <laughs> I know. I saw that and I was like, wait, what? Are they where I think they are? Or are they higher? Nope, they're they're exactly where you think. I think I think this tells us all that we need to know about Jason Bottrell, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, I, I thought about this one after I saw it and had some time to, to think about it. It was like, is this just like a, a desperation move from a man? trying to save his job like at least i did something like it just seems weird i i don't know yeah i mean does it make any sense are they looking for like some cheap player to potentially sign in the offseason because i mean his contract's done at the end of the year too so yeah they could have just got him for free because they're yeah, not exactly. picking the playoffs and... yeah so they just basically gave up a draft pick for someone they could have signed in two months who isn't actually going to help them do anything because they're not making the playoffs. I don't understand this one. This is the one trade that was made today that I don't understand. Well, I mean, okay, so so we've seen how Montreal has been really good at asset management this last week here. Um, now we have their counterpart. Yes. You can, yes. you know, you got if you have if you have like the good, you have to have the bad there as well to balance it all out. So Buffalo's just kind of filling that void, I guess. Yeah. Let's let's recap. So they traded away Scandella. They didn't get as much as they probably could have because the Montreal showed that he was worth more. They terminated the contract of Bogosian. <laughs> he then signed with Tampa. And they randomly gave up a pick for Wayne Simmons for 16 games. What? <laughs> yeah, what that's, are they doing? That's about it. Why? This, this is not the 4D 
4D chess we were talking about earlier. No, this, this is, is like, like 1D. 1D. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is real bad. And you know what? Like, Buffalo is very clearly in, like, an Edmonton-level rebuild right now, and they're just giving up draft picks. Like, that's the one thing you need, and they're just, like, giving them up for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> very optimistic condition. <laughs> if we make playoffs, <laughs> turn into a fourth. I mean, maybe they're, like, anticipating a giant collapse by... You know, like the the Leafs. Maybe Bottrell knows something we don't. Who knows? Maybe I don't understand. It's so weird. And then they got the Devils to retain 50% too. <laughs> it's like, well, were you planning on making another move? It, exactly. Just... Like, why, why did you need that cap space? You weren't doing anything. <laughs> um, Bruins picked up another forward. They got Nick Ritchie from the Anaheim Ducks. And they shipped out Danton Heinen. I don't like this trade for Boston. Neither do I. I mean, Nick Ritchie fits into the, the typical go Bruins player, but the Bruins, Dan Hine is one of those players that was like severely underrated and he's kind of became like almost a whipping boy for a lot of things that like he was just like underperforming stuff like that. And anything that I ever looked into about him, he was always kind of one of those guys that's their contributions just aren't aren't like on the score sheet per se. Everything that he does is like really good and he's a very valuable depth forward. He's just not the type of guy who's going to be like making headlines with how well he plays. And then to only get Nick Ritchie in return. Like this is a guy who is like super dirty as a player. He's constantly elbowing and kneeing people and he's like an underperforming higher draft pick who has never really been able to put anything together. And I kind of talked about this before the so season started at like yeah really <laughs> um stereotypical anaheim duck but uh, i talked about it with richie before the season too that like he was on his last legs in anaheim that if he couldn't figure it out he's gone they can't wait they can't wait for him to put it together anymore but uh i think they i think the ducks got a really good deal out of this one yeah i see this as a reactionary play on the part of the bruins to try and add that gritty like patrick maroon type player because that's what beat them last year you know yeah like, it's like maybe like the sense was like we're too soft going into playoffs right yeah they could maybe they want that physical presence maybe they value that's that high enough to exchange Heinen for it because Heinen was more of just like a player player not like a physical player yeah kind of weird um yeah don't like it for the Bruins but good nope. job for the Ducks all right so another Detroit Red Wings and Edmonton Oilers trade here, Sean. The Oilers a trade acquired Andreas Athanasiu and forward Ryan Kuffner, who's an NCAA guy, in exchange for Sam Gagne, a 2020 second round pick and a 2021 second round pick. So as our resident Oilers fan, thoughts? I don't like this trade very much. On first glance, I think that is an extremely high price to pay for a player who seems to be very one-dimensional and has had one good year. Athanasiu, aside from getting 30 goals last season, is like a 40-point guy. He puts up maybe 15, 20 goals a year. And I personally value these second-round draft picks really highly right now, especially this one with the first round, or the first, the 2020 draft being so deep that that pick might actually end up being still valuable at that point. But 
I, I, Athanasiu is like he's one dimensional. He's like super fast, so he could very well play well with McDavid. But I've heard nothing particularly strong about him defensively, and he seems to be the type of forward who just kind of like waiting for the next scoring chance. So he's not really going to mesh well with a lot of the players on the team if he's doing that because well McDavid already does that a little bit. So that's just going to be a horrible line match or line combination. Mm-hmm. Um, if uh, if Dave Tippett and his coaching staff can do the same with Athanasiu as they can, as they have with the rest of the team and kind of teach them a little bit more defensive structure and responsibility, that could end up being okay because you have two really super fast forwards who can just go and like completely blow past the opposition and score before anyone even knows what happened. But there, I think this is a really risky trade, and I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, for me too, also living through the last little bit of Oilers stuff with uh, the whole nepotism and old boys club, I'm not a huge fan of all of these Oilers wings trades because it's just Holland bringing in his boys. Two speedy guys on a wing together doesn't always work because of the reasons you mentioned. You know, you can't have two guys cherry picking. Um, I think that Athanasio will could be a capable winger for McDavid, but you know we'll have to see. The proof is in the pudding, right? We have to, exactly. to see what I'm going to give it some time and see, of course. Um, I think that you can rate this trade on one other metric, and that is how many eight-point nights does Andreas Athanasiu have? Zero. How many does Sam Gagne have? have one. <laughs> <laughs> trade one for the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah. I also, I just like personally feel bad for Gagne because <laughs> I actually really like him as a player and as a person. Like He seems to just really enjoy playing at Edmonton. And yeah, he's another once guy again, with a punch card. Basically, yeah. And once again, he just gets shipped out of Edmonton. And I would have really liked to see what he could do for the team in the playoffs. Yeah, I guess, you know, he should have hit the net last night. Yeah. He was on a 2-on-1 with, I think, Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl passed it across, and he just whiffed it wide. And then McDavid, when he got his beautiful right. goal last night, was on a 2-on-1 with, with Gagne and just didn't pass to him. Just did it all himself. <laughs> It's like, that's what we knew. <laughs> he was gone. <laughs> Let's be honest. Uh, the opposing goalie would just assume McDavid's going to pass it anyway, so that's a useful a useful yeah. play. Yeah, just drive the net. Get the plus. Um, yeah, you mentioned Athanasiu, his defensive lack of a prowess, I guess. Um, I think he's the league leader or legal loser in plus minus. Yeah, he's got minus thirty or something. Yeah, forty-five. I mean, I don't put faith in plus-minus all the time, but I think it still tells you a story. Of he's basically minus one per game. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like, I mean, Detroit as a team is minus a hundred and something. Athens is minus (laughs) forty-five. So. It doesn't exactly say a whole lot because of how bad the team is, but you're still the worst of the worst. Like, that is telling something. Yeah, I mean, that's that like dry made, you know, plus minus two. Exactly, yeah. He's, how many points does he have? Yeah, he still, like, was minus something or something. Like, he was absurdly minus for a bit. Yeah. So, so that tells- that also, like, it's telling of the line, too. I mean, the, the line he's playing on being nowhere near as good as the line they get matched up against. Yeah. As a function of how bad the team is. Plus, like, he's a scoring forward on a shitty team. Like, of course, he's going to yeah. have a minus because his team yeah. can't stop goals. You know, they could be 
actively trying to get scored on. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Tank commander. <laughs> yes. So yeah, I think this is one of the trades that we're going to have to wait and see. Because it seems like it's a good idea, but is it? Is it really? We'll have to see yeah. how he performs. Um, so yeah, uh, the Oilers weren't done, though. They also acquired Tyler Ennis from the Ottawa Senators in exchange for a 2021 fifth round pick. What do you think about this one? I actually really like it. I think that's a great price to pay for a forward like Tyler Ennis. He's kind of like a another random energetic depth forward type, but he's also a bit of an offensive punch from down there as well. He's got 33 points this season in 61 games with Ottawa. So the Oilers, you know, their their bottom six forwards have still been a little bit of a mishmash of random players as they try to find something that works. And I like the addition of Tyler Ennis. He's kind of a smaller, one of those gritty types, a similar similar to Yamamoto, what he's shown in the last uh, couple months here. So I'm quite quite happy with this one. All right. Um, Flames acquired Derek Forbort, a defenseman from the LA Kings, for a 2021 fourth. Yeah, and the, the condition on the pick is that it upgrades to a 2022 third-round pick if Calgary reaches the 2020 conference finals and a forward plays 50% of the games or a forward resigns with Calgary. Meh, seems all right. For, for yeah. a team that's kind of had some injury issues on defense, yeah. This is yeah. probably just a, a helpful helpful depth piece for them. Uh, Pittsburgh Penguins acquired Connor Sherry and Evan Rodriguez from the Buffalo Sabres in exchange for Dominic Cahoon. So that I think this one looks like a Crosby. I want Connor Sherry back. <laughs> I'm tired of playing <laughs> with Dominic Cahoon trade to me. I would not be surprised. Yeah. I have to agree with you there. I thought Cahoon was playing well with Crosby, but it's probably a good, good one for Pittsburgh to get another winger that Crosby's familiar with. I don't really have anything to say about that one. <laughs> Like like I mentioned earlier, like the Penguins have been absolutely decimated by injuries this year. So Evan Rodriguez is a bit of a depth forward type that he's probably going to be able to jump in and uh, help out with the bottom six forward, just kind of provide some stability and hopefully not get hurt two games into his tenure there. Go full Bo Bennett mode. Um, Carolina Hurricanes, they acquired Sam Vatnin at 50% salary retained from the New Jersey Devils for forward prospect Yanni Kuokanen and Frederick Clayson, defenseman and a conditional 2024th round pick. And the condition on the 2024th round pick is if Vatnin plays in five regular season games, the pick upgrades to a 2023rd round pick if Vatnin plays oh the Devils receive the 2024th round pick if Vatnin plays in five regular season games. Then the pick upgrades to a 2023rd if Vatnin plays in 12 regular season games or 70% of the 2020 playoff game. So that's that's not even a guaranteed pick in there. That's kind of a, the condition is on re- receiving the pick too. Yeah, I think the the condition exists because Vatnin is hurt right now. And I think that they were, they told, they must have told teams what his status was. I think right. he's supposed to come back soon, but you know, if that was a lie, <laughs> um, it's or nice any setbacks or whatever. Yeah. So I think, I mean, Carolina's got major injury issues on defense right now with Dougie Hamilton and uh, Brett Pesci both both out. So any help they can get is going to be great. I think Batman's a Batman's a pretty well, reliable defenseman. He's more of an offensive type, but he's not exactly a liability defensively. Mm-hmm. 
And I think I think his play style is going to fit in well with the fast-paced Carolina plays with. Yeah, right-handed offensive defenseman, as we said earlier. That's in demand, always. So Very. Um, I guess let's just mention it right now that the Hurricanes also acquired Brady Shea for the New York Rangers in exchange for a 2020 first-round pick. Um, and I guess the Hurricanes mm. have two picks. So the condition is that they can choose which one they give up. Yeah. So the Rangers will receive the later of either Carolina's or Toronto's first rounder. And uh, Brady Shea actually has a few years left on his contract. Um, So I actually really like this trade for the Hurricanes. I do too. I wasn't aware even that Shea was being shot. Me neither. That was, that one was kind of way out of nowhere. Yeah. He's got, he's signed until the end of the, 2023-24 2023-24 season and a pretty reasonable 5.2 cap hit yeah absolutely for for a guy who's probably going to end up playing second pairing minutes right now um as far as i'm aware shea is a reliable defenseman that he's not exactly a swiss cheese type guy he's not ter- and reasonable offensive production as well putting up about 25 points a year yeah so giving up a mid to late first round pick i think yeah that's a that's a solid trade for the hurricanes exactly and that's a great way to look at it like if you could get a player like brady shea with a late first rounder you would probably be pretty happy especially considering that he was a 28th overall draft pick so yeah there you go i think it's somebody who can step into their lineup right now and make a difference you know especially with those injuries you just mentioned um pretty substantial for them to have two other top four guys out. So makes sense. I think it's a great trade. I think this is one of the best trades of the day. I might be overvaluing Brady Absolutely. Shea a little bit, yeah. but and I think it's huge. We're, yeah, we're talking just about Carolina side, but the Rangers too, they're obviously still in a bit of a rebuild as well. So once again, they're a team who's going to need the draft picks. And uh, with with how deep, like I've said, how deep this draft is supposed to be, that first that late first round pick could be quite valuable actually. Uh, the next one I want to mention is a bit of a messy one. This is the three-way trade of the day. So Vegas acquired Robin Leonard from the Chicago Blackhawks in exchange for Malcolm Subban, D prospect Slava Demin, who's from California, just as his name suggests, and a 2020 second-round pick that was originally from Pittsburgh. And in this trade, Toronto retained salary on Robin Leonard and they were rewarded with a fifth round pick <laughs> for their trouble. I so kind of a weird one. I don't understand what the point of, or how Toronto was able to retain that cap. Like what the point of them coming into this trade was. I don't know. It's weird. I guess the Knights also got a random forward from the Leafs in this guy named Martin's Zirkals. Zirkals. Seems weird for yeah, them to his... help out Vegas for a fifth round pick, but yeah, exactly too. Like as a fifth round pick, why? What exactly do you value in that? I don't know. It's just Dubas things, I guess. Uh, yeah, he's got some analytics analytics value on that pick. That's gonna be a good one. Yeah, that fifth round pick has good Corsi, I guess. You know, it's it's gonna be a good one. Yeah, weird. I mean, I love this trade for the Knights. Oh, absolutely. So. Um, like I mentioned earlier on with that with that Martinez trade, like the Knights are great at identifying their needs. Um, 
you talked about this a few episodes ago, back when Gallant got fired, that the Knights, the Golden Knights, have had a very strong need for a goalie, and they go and pick up one of one of the upstart goalies of the last couple of seasons, who's just had a couple of who had a really good year last year in New York, um, kind of a bit of a rocky-ish tenure with Chicago after he signed there over the summer, but he's still a really good goalie. Yeah, I think what's the best backup to have? Another starter. Yeah. So I think this is great. I mean, Subban wasn't great. I don't know. I haven't heard this Slava Demon guy, but uh, I don't know. Good for the Hawks to to get an active or a, an okay backup, I guess. A D prospect and a second round pick for a goalie that was likely not going to stay there past this season. Exactly. And I mean, we've we've talked about this type of asset management with a couple other trades as well, but Chicago signed Leonard in the offseason last year, and now they've gotten another goalie, a second-round pick, and a prospect out of nothing. Yeah, so they're able to get something for nothing. Yep. All right, so the Tampa Bay Lightning, continuing their acquisition of every player on the market. They got Barkley Goodrow and a 2020 third-round pick. That was originally Philadelphia's in exchange for a 2020 first-round pick and forward Anthony Grieco to the San Jose Sharks. I, so this is kind of weird to me. How so? I didn't think Barclay Goodrow was worth a first-round pick. That part is, a yeah. late first-round pick, but... Um, I'm less surprised because of how much other players have gone for and looking at kind of the reputation that Barclay Goodrow has built up over the last couple of years. Have you ever heard I of... think... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I, th- I think uh, Gaudreau's been kind of the type of forward that Tampa Bay needs. It's kind of one of those more physical, gritty, bottom six forwards that they were lacking last year, and they seem to be keen on acquiring a few of them. They did a couple over the summer, and Sparkly Gaudreau is another one that I think will probably help them out in terms of trying to actually play playoff hockey. Yeah. I think it's a smart move for the Sharks to actually get a first in this draft. <laughs> <laughs> That that is a very good point. That's after San Jose's first round pick this year is in Ottawa's possession. They now actually can draft in the first round. Yeah, kind of nice. Um, Vegas acquired Nick Cousins from Montreal Canadiens in exchange for a 2021 fourth round pick. So another depth piece for them. So what's this basically? A cheaper Aiken, something along those lines? Yeah, I guess so. Um, I don't. That seems to be. Does I mean, Cousins play wing and center, or just wing? To be, his cap friendly page is listed as all the forward positions, so I'm just gonna assume oh. he's one of those guys. <laughs> Can do whatever. Okay. okay. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, then yeah, you know, other roster player, bottom six, Montreal. Hey, why not another fourth round pick? <laughs> hey, why not? Yeah, we're gonna be seeing. I mean, t- they're. Uh... The draft this year is in Montreal too, right? So they're probably going to want as many picks as possible. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, this is this next trade is another one of my favorites of the day. Calgary Flames acquired Eric Gustafson from the Chicago Blackhawks in exchange for a 2020 third round pick. I think this is a solid pickup, and, Flames. Yeah, and the condition on that third-round pick is that Chicago will receive the earlier of Calgary or Edmonton's 2020 third-round pick on the requirement that Edmonton's pick needs 
meets its conditions and becomes the property of Calgary. And I believe this is the one that was a part of the James Neal trade. Huh. Okay. I want to say um, the pick says the pick is still in Edmonton's possession and Calgary doesn't own it yet. So it, that's that pick needs to meet its conditions before it can be a part of this trade. You can do that. You can trade conditional picks that conditions haven't been met yet. <laughs> Apparently. As long as it's in another condition. <laughs> Weird. I'm that still... seems bizarre, yeah. but yeah, that is the that is the pick, the third round pick that was in the Lucic Neal trade. That's wild. So, I've never heard wow. of that before, but um, no, it's a thing yeah. apparently. Um, yeah, so I'm a bit, I'm not quite sure what Calgary's going for with this one because Gustafson isn't much of a defenseman. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a power he's play like, guy. Yeah, so I mean, he can help out with that. I'm sure they're looking for someone who can provide a bit of an offense from the back end. They don't seem to have a whole lot of that. Um, I think Gustafson had the quietest 60-point season by a defenseman ever yes. last year. And this year he's sitting at about 20, 26 points in 59 games. So somewhat around a 35 to 40 point pace, I want to say, mm-hmm. which is respectable from the back end. So uh, he can help out there. Like we said, they have some depth and injury issues, so they might be looking for that. Yeah, I like this trade. I think, you know, Chicago has had its problems with uh, DeBrincat's having a down year. Um, you know, Kubalik's in there having a great year, but I think their their team has been losing a lot this season, even with Leonard and Crawford as a tandem. So it makes sense that he's having you know less points this season. Um, I think he can definitely come in and uh, add some some two way play on the blue line. So I think it's a good good pick. And another another point for sh- Chicago side is that. Um... Adam Boquist, one of their top defensive prospects, is a very offensive guy is himself. So they don't really need both of them. So Gustafson became expendable as Boquist kind of makes his way more into Chicago's lineup over the rest of the season here. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, and I don't think there's any other trades that I have deemed important enough to go over, unless you... I have one that I want to bring up. So... Mm-hmm. The New Jersey Devils acquired Zane McIntyre, goaltender, from the Vancouver uh-huh. Canucks in exchange for Louis Domingue. So, two yep. things I two two things I want to say about this one: How the fuck does Louis Domingue keep getting <laughs> NHL jobs? <laughs> I you can't keep I, getting away with this. I know, like he's he's never been a very particularly good goalie anywhere he's gone, but he keeps getting chances in different teams, and this is like his fourth team now. Um. He even had a chance in Tampa Bay as their backup and even starter during some injury troubles. Didn't put up very good numbers and left Tampa Bay and didn't do well in New Jersey. Now he's in Vancouver, which leads me to the second important reason for this is that Jacob Markstrom is actually out for, I think it was three to four weeks with a torn meniscus. So the Canucks were in the market for apparently, uh, I'm putting NHL in air quotes for an NHL capable (laughs) defense or goaltender to kind of cover the rest of the season until Markstrom's back. Yeah, I think they will probably use him as a backup still because they can get Thatcher Demko probably to, to be their starter. But yes, um, I think the latest I heard on Markstrom is that they're going to reevaluate on Wednesday when he's back in Vancouver just to see the team doctors. I think he got evaluated by um, external medical staff. Okay. So they want to get him looked at by their own team 
and then then they'll have a press release on Wednesday about what's going on. Um, you know, he's been their MVP. We've covered that before. That would be a huge blow to them. Um, but I saw two to three weeks. But who knows? Could be could be four. That would suck. That would that would blow <laughs> for the. Canucks. That would be that would be massive for them. Just being in such a tight race for the playoffs to lose their their MVP. Yeah. Yeah, they wanted a goalie and they wanted a cheap one. Yep, <laughs> so yeah, swapped, so that's the other thing, I guess. Out. Yeah, that's that's the other part. I mean, they couldn't afford much of a better one because the Canucks are like right up against the cap as well. Yeah, and Deming's a cheap goalie, so there they go. Yeah, and so that's all the trades. But speaking of goalies, we have to talk about a goalie situation that happened. Emergency backup goalie. Oh, we have David to talk Ayers. about this. <laughs> this is too David big a story Ayers. not to throw in. <laughs> so, during the Carolina versus Toronto game, at about like nine minutes left in the second period, Peter Morazic got absolutely destroyed by Kyle Clifford. He went out of the game. Uh, that was the second goalie for Carolina to get knocked out of the game. James Reimer got, got hurt in the first. So it was an emergency backup. And a 42-year-old Zamboni driver for the Toronto Marlies <laughs> entered the game and got the win. That's that's like that's hockey movie, like hockey movie script right there. Just like Zamboni driver, local Zamboni driver gets gets the chance in the NHL. Yeah. So He's a guy who's actually practiced with the Leafs. He played in like their um, when they played like in an outdoor rink, like scrimmage. He played in that game, so the Leafs got beat by a 42-year-old Zamboni driver who works for the team and was wearing a Maple Leafs helmet and pants and gear. Yep, amazing. amazing. Yeah, so I mean the the Leafs. What was I think the score was three one when the when David went in. And then the Leafs scored on the first two shots. And then into the third period, or into the end of the second, into the third period, Carolina just absolutely shut down defensively. And David Ayers made a few actually impressive plays. I'm thinking one in particular where he actually left the crease and went and made a little uh, little play with the puck to shoot it behind the net and keep it out of Toronto's possession. But uh, he shut the door. He got the win. He, got, he actually got a shot on goal, too. He took a, yeah. a little bit of a slow dump. <laughs> Slow dump out of the offensive zone is kind of it just kind of crept in on Anderson. Yeah, it banked off the boards. Yeah, so he only faced like ten shots, ten shots, yeah. two. But like, come on, Leafs! All you had to do was get shots. Exactly. That's all you had to I do. I think. It, yeah. So I mean, Carolina. We've seen we've seen them at their best. We know they're an excellent team at uh, retaining possession and control of the play. But uh, it's not a good look on your team when you can't even get shots on that. You can't even get the puck. You can't even do anything with it. When you're a talented offensive team, the likes of Toronto. I thought it was an embarrassing loss. It was just brutal. Look, what a great, great for night, social though, media, for though. Ayers. Yeah, yeah, pretty great. And um, so David Ayers. He used to be. He used to play in junior, and if I read it correctly, he had to kind of put his hockey career on hold when he needed a kidney transplant years back. And after the game, the Carolina Hurricanes put a T-shirt with his name and number on it for sale. 
So what they've said after is that part of the royalties go to David himself and part of it go to like a kidney foundation or like kidney health tra- or foundation. So yeah, pretty cool. Pretty, move. Cool, pretty cool move by the, the, by the hurricanes there. They're doing a really good job with that type of stuff lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're uh, going to have him at their game on Tuesday, tomorrow, I think. And he's going to be doing like the, the siren before the game. Uh, David Ayers said like when he got out there, uh, some of the players were saying like, you know, don't worry if you let in 10, doesn't matter. <laughs> like, like, we're just happy you're here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he calmed him down and he's able to just, you know, kind of settle in. Yeah, well, that's that's a huge like a huge statement from someone to be like, just you're here, just like do what you can. You know, the 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 pressure of going onto an NHL rink in front of twenty thousand screaming fans. Yeah, in Toronto and to too. have, yeah, to have someone on the ice say like, you're good, like just do your thing. <laughs> whatever happens happens like that's just a sigh of relief i imagine that was eric Halla, so clearly that wasn't appreciated by the team and they shipped him out for his <laughs> reckless behavior <laughs> yeah yeah that's what brenda moore's eye roll is directed at but yeah i mean pretty cool moment we always love to see the ba- emergency backup goalies you know scott foster <laughs> david ayers absolute legends Good stuff. both won so far so yeah the, the Scott Foster played like part of the third. David Ayers played almost half of a game. So the yeah. next emergency backup that plays has to play an entire game. I don't want to see what happens in the pregame skate and warm up to, to whatever team this happens to. Yeah, so a pretty eventful trade deadline. Very, lots of moves. Like we said so... in the beginning, lots lots of trades, um a few surprises, a few weird ones. But uh, I think before we finish off to the for, for like the weeks, weeks leading up to it here, uh, Chris Kreider, the New York Rangers winger, was like the number one candidate on the trade bait board. But uh, just in like the last day, uh, re-signing contract talks um, accelerated in New York and Kreider staying in, in New York, he didn't get traded. So yeah, they signed up. That, that would have been that would have been one of the biggest hauls for a single player this year. But he's staying. He's staying in New York. Yep. Barry stayed put. There's rumors he was going to move. Didn't, didn't go anywhere. Um, so, yeah, I mean, before we, we wrap it up here for the week, uh, yeah. which team do you think did the best? I really like Ottawa and Vegas. Um, Ottawa, I still don't like them just shipping out all the players constantly every single year. But they seem to be, be like rebuilding by force right now. And I'm hoping that it's like actually a corner has turned for them and they'll actually start to treat the organization and its players properly as they start to bring this next generation of senators up. They have so many draft picks that even if a lot of them are turn out to be nothing, that they should at least get something through this. And with Vegas, they're perennially in a playoff contention. They're perennially an active contender in rent in any trade and free agents. And once again, they've done an excellent job identifying their needs. They've got the defenseman they needed to help solidify their D. They've got the goalie they need to back up Fleury and possibly even step in as a starter, depending how the rest of the season the playoff goes. And they're they're well off. Yeah, I think the the Hurricanes did a pretty good job um, acquiring Vatnin, acquiring Trocheck, and getting Brady Shea at a crazy price. I think they did pretty well for themselves. 
And on the flip side, I think that the New Jersey Devils did a great job getting rid of basically everybody <laughs> that wasn't nailed down and, and getting some some picks, um, you know, getting exactly what they need to move forward and to get out of this rebuild. And they got rid of Louis Deming. So not bad. A good thing. Yeah. Um, Habs did well. I also want to throw Buffalo in the uh, in poorly spot just because it's Buffalo. Yeah, that's fair. That <laughs> is fair. <laughs> they did some stuff that didn't make sense. So that they're in a category of their own. Yep. I think every other team, their moves, you can see what they're thinking with it. You know. Whether you want to Buffalo is just like, nope. <laughs> Wild card. If we make playoffs, we'll give you an even higher pick. Yeah. Okay. You see, Buffalo is just putting a new definition to wild card, right? Yeah. It's not actually making the playoffs, it's just about being that like chaos creator and just like, yeah, see what we see what we can do for fun. <laughs> Shits and giggles. Poor Jack Eichel. Poor man. Yeah. So uh, unless you have anything else to add, I think that pretty much brings us to a close here. Yep, that wraps things up for this week here on ClapperCast. If you enjoy what you're listening to, make sure to spread the word around with your family and friends. If you want to keep up to date with any of our latest content and hockey news throughout the week, you can follow us on Instagram at ClapperCast Media or on Twitter at ClapperCast. Thank you all for tuning in for this special trade deadline episode, and we will be back next week with more hockey talk.